welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast. As I record this episode, the Thunder have just defeated the Miami Heat 116-115, the final. It's the Thunder's seventh game of their eight in the bubble. They have one left on Friday night against the Clippers before their first-round playoff matchup against the Houston Rockets. That is a done deal, OKC versus Houston in the first round of the playoffs. I can't wait for that. I don't even need to explain why. You understand all the storylines that are associated with this, but Joe and I will talk about it a lot in our uh, OKC live stream replay that's coming up in just a few minutes. All right, so college football. I think over the weekend, the expectation was that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were both going to shut things down, and we weren't going to see football from either conference. And then the early part of this week, that's exactly what happened. I I know that it came as a shock to a lot of people. It wasn't a shock that they did it, I think, as much as just finally, like, pulling the plug and it actually happening. The writing was on the wall and there had been enough reports for the days leading up to the actual news breaking that that's what was going to take place. So there was a certain level of shock like this is, I can't believe this is actually happening, but it shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone. On the flip side of that, the SEC and the ACC both holding on, both saying we feel good about the system that we've set in place and we're going to march forward. Again, that was that was completely expected as well. The big domino in all of this was the Big 12 and how they were going to respond. Would they feel pressure from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 actually shutting things down and would they follow suit? And to their credit, they felt like they were in a place where they could continue to move forward as well. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited that we're going to see college football and hopefully everybody understands that this is a situation you could lose it just as easily. I hope that we still have everybody associated with college football taking things very seriously and understanding that a couple of wrong moves and this thing could shut down very, very easily. So I'm excited that things are going to continue forward. I'm excited about the possibility of college football. I'm excited that even if it is just the Big 12, the SEC and the ACC, we're going to watch college football. But we saw this in Major League Baseball this week. The Cleveland Indians sent home a couple pitchers for going out with their buddies. It's got to be tempting for these guys. Nobody enjoys not being able to go out and have a good time with your friends. But especially in this dynamic of college football where it's so fragile in terms of it happening versus not happening and we have two of the Power Five conferences not playing at all, we could see it disappear very easily. So again, my fingers are crossed that everybody follows the rules and stays as safe as they possibly can and we're able to get an entire season in. This idea of spring football for the Big Ten and Pac-12 is really interesting to me. And to be honest with you, If we do see the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC, I'm going to start calling them the Big 3 for the sake of not saying their names over and over. If we do see the Big 3 play an entire college football season, I don't know how the Big 10 and the Pac-12 play a spring football season and expect to be right back in the swing of things next fall. And this is the interesting part about all of this. How does spring football impact what type of football you're playing in the fall of 2021. To me, it seems extremely unrealistic to think that you could play anything close to a college football season in the spring and expect that it's not going to have impacts on the fall 2021 season. So I don't know what I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they pull it off. I don't know if they're just going to try to play a condensed conference schedule in the spring like this is all just a big mystery to me and I have no idea how it works for them especially considering they would be booting things up on the heels of the big three wrapping things up I can't imagine that any NFL prospects are playing spring football if the big three have played an entire season and the major prospects from the big three are going through pro days and who knows if we'll have any sort of live combine with the circumstances of the world but when you have NFL prospects getting ready for the NFL draft, 
it's just interesting to see what a guy like Justin Fields is going to do in that situation. Is he going to be playing for Ohio State in March, or is he getting ready for the NFL draft? I, I don't know the answer to that. But my expectation would be any player that's high on a draft board, that's a first or second day type pick, probably not playing spring football. And for everybody else, once again, I don't know how that doesn't have a significant impact on what you're seeing in the fall. And this idea of protecting the student athlete from a health standpoint, trying to play two full seasons in one calendar year to me is just pretty mind-boggling. So I don't think the spring football thing is going to happen, or if we do actually see it, I think it's going to be an extremely condensed version because I don't know that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 want to further risk being completely left behind the other three. Also, here's the set of the day for you. In the last three college football playoffs, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have accounted for one playoff spot, and that was Ohio State this year, losing to Clemson in the semifinal. Oklahoma also announced today that they are going to have 25% capacity at their football games, so there will be fans in the stands, and I'm curious to see how that's going to work as well, what that's going to look like, and who those people are going to be. If there was ever a race to acquire tickets to a college football game... Holy cow, this is going to be bananas. So for the time being, we do have college football. We have the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC marching forward. The Big 10 and the Pac-12 have opted out. In the last three college football playoffs, the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC have accounted for every playoff spot except for one, which again was Ohio State this year. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, share the podcast with your friends. That's a huge help for me. I really appreciate that from you guys. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels, on Instagram, Colby.Daniels. Love the interaction from you guys. And don't forget to check out our post-game shows, the OKC Basketball live stream with Colby Daniels and Joe Adkins. We go live via Periscope after every Thunder game. So all you have to do is, is tune in to my Twitter account, Colby underscore Daniels. I tweet the link, we go live, and give our reaction to what just happened. So tune into that after every Thunder game. And here you go. Here is the replay following OKC's 116-115 win over the Miami Heat, which also locks OKC into their first-round playoff matchup with the Houston Rockets. What's going on, everyone? It happened again. The Thunder with another fourth-quarter comeback. 116-115, the final OKC over the Miami Heat. This is the OKC Basketball Team live stream. I am Colby Daniels, along with my pal Joe Adkins. Joe, it happened again. I, you know, I joked with you right before we started this thing, but it kind of seems like this has been the theme for Thunder Basketball all season long. I mean, even before the break and, and coming back to the bubble, how many times this season have we watched this Thunder team play a game where it looked like they were dead in the water and there was no reason even as a spectator to continue to watch and next thing you know they find themselves slowly chipping away at a lead and tonight you know it, it obviously turns out in their favor with the twos essentially playing the entire fourth quarter and Mike Muscala hitting a couple of monster buckets at the end yeah I mean Oklahoma City it's a it's a game where you, you're extremely excited that you won and you're happy the way you ended the game because they really didn't play well the first three quarters, um, especially defensively. I, I thought they were just out of sync. They gave up too many three-point shots. I thought Miami kind of got what they wanted. And in the fourth quarter, I believe they hold them to 15 points. So, if anything, you, you're you're a lot more uh, confident in your defense and the way you ended that game than maybe the first three quarters. And it's always good to win and Young guys, again, all the twos, a lot of experience. Uh, basically, I think it's playing extremely well right now. He's extremely confident. So there were some bright spots along with Wynn and just some bright spots individually. Before we really break down the game itself, uh, let's talk about what the outcome of this game means because for those that don't know, it's official. 
The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets are playing each other in the first round of the 2020 NBA playoffs. Now, a, a couple things for me. From a, from a spectator standpoint, this is the matchup I wanted. This is what I wanted to see happen. I wanted to see Russell Westbrook against the Thunder. I wanted to see Chris Paul against the Rockets. I mean, I, d I don't have to explain why all of that equates to must-watch television, but I think in terms of, of watching the Thunder play, this might be the worst matchup of the possibilities that we were talking about a week ago when you were talking about Denver, Houston, and Utah as all possible playoff matchups for OKC. So they make this comeback, they win the game, they seal the matchup with the Houston Rockets in the first round. The basketball fan in me is really excited about this matchup. If you're talking about what's best for the Thunder, though, I think this is probably the worst matchup of the three possibilities. Yeah, and and you know what? For every team, if you draw, if you were going to draw Houston, you knew that was a dangerous matchup because you know the capabilities of that team and what they can do with the style of play they're they're bringing. Um, it, it's it's not a necessarily opponent that you, that you want to draw, but it it's a winnable series. But it's definitely going to be a tough series. I don't. Know, it, it's different now emotionally, probably with those guys, especially probably for us. Because and I'll just speak for him, him and being around him so much longer than Chris. Without the crowd, I don't know how much emotion gets involved in it. I mean, of course, you personally want to win, but you don't have the atmosphere kind of to gas you up even more. And I think that's where it kind of goes with Russ. I don't know if he'll get just too caught up in the moment with this being this with that with that atmosphere because it's, it's just so quiet and it's just so different that they can really just focus on playing and not really worry about a lot of outside distractions because the NBA just eliminates them. That said, he's still going to, to look at the opponent and he's going to see that Thunder uniform and that's going to resonate some sort of feeling within him. He's still going to look at the sideline and see Billy Donovan and I'm sure that all year long he's heard all the commentary about how good this, this group of guys is as a team and, and how much this group has come together with Chris Paul and how much they listen to Billy Donovan now for the first time since he's been there. I mean, we know this about Russ. He hears all that stuff and he uses a lot of that stuff as motivation and sometimes Joe, as, as we've you know realized for over a decade now with Russell Westbrook, sometimes that motivation is used in a, in a really positive way and it brings the best out of Russ. And sometimes it's a detriment to you know his, his mentality and the way he's going to approach things. Um, I, I can't wait to see what he looks like in this series. And, and especially if the Thunder give him any sort of issues, you know, to see the same opponent time and time again, it's just a different situation than a regular season game where... You know, you play this team, you realize something about this team, you figure out a way to maybe stop this guy, and then they go play somebody else the next night. I mean, you, you, you just spin this 180 degrees in terms of, of the way that emotion can build even from game to game and how much it can build up throughout the por portion of a series. Most definitely. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just an interesting series just to see because, I mean, we, we kind of – forget or not forget, but we don't speak of James Harden as well in, you know, Oklahoma City. So I, I'm sure those guys emotionally, there there will be emotion there. And of course, Russ is going to be who he is. Um, we say that, I said everything about him, and you know, he may get five picks in this city. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, but the one thing about it, and, and I think for every all guys that we're talking about, even with season three, I think both teams need, needed the trades for each other. It made Houston better. 
and what they were trying to do. And the one thing about Russ and James, I don't know if they'll feel the pressure as much because they have another guy. So James, he may not feel alone, so Russ can help him in that situation. But it's also going to be a lot of pressure on both those guys because they haven't had the the recent success in the playoffs. James, of course, yeah. the time in the Western Conference Finals, and Russ, he's lost in the first round the past couple of years. So both guys have something to prove, and there's nothing you know they'll be extremely focused and, and motivated because of Oklahoma City. But we can say the same thing for Oklahoma City. It'll just be youth versus experience, and we'll see what wins out. Yeah, and, and look, I, I think to give Russell Westbrook credit here. You know, a lot of the things that we criticized Russ over the last couple of years in Oklahoma City, we don't see nearly as much in Houston this season. I think, you know, you, you said this, I think, a, a couple games ago. To some degree, he's been humbled a little bit, and he would never admit that, but I think he's been humbled a little bit in the situation and how everything unfolded in Oklahoma City the last couple of years, going to Houston, the player that James Harden has become. No matter how good Russell Westbrook is, that's James Harden's team. And I think it's been easy for Russ to just kind of allow that to be the case and just go play basketball without having the weight of an entire organization, the weight of an entire city on his shoulders. And so to a degree, he's been able to just play basketball without being that guy all season long. But the question is, how much does that change in the postseason when things are completely different? And how much does that change when you consider the opponent is Oklahoma City in game one, in game two, in game three and and is that an element that we see all of a sudden maybe blow up Houston I don't know that that's the case but I do think it's interesting to watch and and look on the other side of things Chris Paul is a guy that that you know I think is probably on that list of greatest players to never make an NBA finals without a doubt like he's on that short list the greatest players in the history of the NBA to never even appear in an NBA final series and and he's had his own playoff shortcomings and obviously the breakup with Houston for him wasn't good and there's going to be some sort of emotional tie to to that being the opponent for him as well yeah but the one thing about CP3 I think he's kind of playing with house money because he's has young guns anyway I mean he has really nothing to lose and everything in the game because one he's had a phenomenal year and he's going to be able to control a lot of what Oklahoma City does, especially offensively in the series. So he knows he'll be able to get a lot of the things he wants. This series will be based on how well Oklahoma City can shoot the ball from the perimeter if they can make threes with the young fellas or will it be um, the experience wins out and they struggle to shoot the ball. If Oklahoma City can, can – they don't have to shoot, you know, a great percentage, but they've got to be able to make timely threes because Houston's going to miss a lot of shots. But it's just about they're going. You know they're going to make threes. So, but but Oklahoma City, if you can act the basket and make them pay, especially when they're going on those spurts where they miss, you can get out ahead and make guys play from behind and much those guys put a little more pressure on them to maybe have to make some adjustments to Oklahoma City rather than you know they'll be on the defense early because you just don't see five small guys in a line. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get ahead. How Houston try to make adjustments to Oklahoma So that's the matchup, and obviously there's still another regular season matchup. The Thunder have the Clippers on Friday night at 530 uh, before we, we get that series going. Houston right now is, uh, I believe, still playing the Pacers. I don't think that's gone final yet, or at least my, my page hasn't updated that being final. And then they've got Philadelphia yeah. on Friday. Yeah. The Pacers won that game. Oh, it's over? Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, has, uh, it has come to an end. So Indiana... This just says fourth quarter 
108, 104. So anyway, yeah, that was, I, was that the final? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then my page just froze and it never. Yeah, it's been froze. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So, so they're done. Both teams have a game on Friday night. Uh, let's talk about what the Thunder has to do though, in preparation for this series, because I mean, they get the win tonight, Joe, and I think we have to mostly credit the, the second unit for that. Darius Baisley, once again, was fantastic, fantastic, especially in that fourth quarter. Dennis Schroeder is back, but he's not playing yet. I don't know if he's going to be available for Friday's game. I would assume by the time they start a postseason series, Dennis Schroeder is able to play again. You'd like to have him back Friday so you can kind of work through some of the rust that he may have acquired while he was out. But I thought we saw you know a little bit of rust from the starting unit tonight. Again, we go back to that game against Phoenix on Monday. They were without Steven Adams. They were without Gallinari. They were out without SGA. They were without Nerlens Noel. Um, you know, and, and credit the Thunder early in that game for playing well. And then the wheels really kind of came off because they just didn't have enough horses uh, to get to the finish line. But they they've got to they've got to give that starting unit some time together, I, especially on Friday against this Clippers team. I don't think this is a game where you know you're you're just kind of resting guys in preparation for this Houston series. I, I think these guys need some time together before they start that playoff run, and Friday's your last opportunity. Well, yeah, I, I'm like you. They haven't played in a while together, and after guys sit out, you do lose a little bit of rhythm, and Steve, Steven hadn't been at all, so he had probably practiced much. I'd like to see Schroeder probably get a, a little more action if he can play because you want him to get some game conditioning. Um, I'm not sure. Is I don't think he's not even able to practice right now. Am, am I? Is, is that correct? I think that's right. Yeah, the quarantine. So yeah, he get a lot of conditioning. So you want to get him, get him some run if you can, and probably let him play more minutes. You definitely you want to play. I, I don't look for him to play much, maybe a quarter or so, just because you need those guys fresh. Um, you don't want to take a chance of anyone getting injured, especially in the game. Health is the most important thing. You want to be at full strength. Um, I think um, you know it, it'll, it, and it's interesting. Do you, you probably see a lot of Andre Robinson? Um, you know some of the, the younger guys, Burton, but Darius Baisley would normally be one of those guys. But I think he's a guy you may give him minutes. He started to play extremely well, and because of his size and length, you're going to see small ball. He's a guy that you may have to put on the floor because the one thing he can do is match athleticism with some of those Houston guys when they space the floor where you can switch and you can do a lot with him. I don't know if he's ready for that moment, but his physique and how he's been playing uh, in the past uh, four games has been phenomenal. So I know you'll be confident in Billy Donovan. He's deserving the opportunity. So he'll be key in that series. Yeah, I, look, I, I get the health thing. I, I know you don't want anybody getting hurt in your final regular season matchup before the playoffs begin, but... I, I, I the, the thing about this Thunder team that I think makes them as competitive as some other teams that may be more talented is the fact that they have such good chemistry. And right now, the chemistry just seems off. It doesn't seem like everybody's on the same page. They just don't. They're not in that rhythm together. And, and you know, part of that's because Steven Adams missed three games and he just came back. Gallinari and SGA are just coming off of a game that they missed. Um, I, I, I would just like to see some extended minutes with you know that group of ones playing together on Friday to, to kind of find something in preparation and not have them kind of working through that against the Houston Rockets in the first game because I think that could get really ugly. Yeah, the one thing about it, Houston doesn't play much defense, so you know you're going to score points against them. So I, I don't know if I'm as concerned about how effective 
they're going to look at it That's on fair. the board yeah. because they're not going to have to run a lot of things to get what they want. It's all about being able to make those plays. But I definitely understand what you're saying about that. But I just know if they lose a guy like a Chris Paul or Steven Adams, they get a tweak in the ankle. Those guys are so important now to this run that that would be the series if they couldn't play game one. Because you know you're going to start. You're probably not going to win a game without those two guys. You just need to be the full strength. I think those two guys rest now. Those other guys, if you want to get sports more minutes, Kobe, I'm all for that. <laughs> Whoever else, but the two main guys, the head, the head of that snake, and Chris Paul and, and the anchor. Um, I, I wouldn't mind 18 to 20, minutes, but I'm not for them really in those minutes just because I want them to be fresh. I don't want to take any chances with those two guys. They're too important. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, this is this is a massive series for I think Gallinari and uh, and Stephen Adams as well, especially when you consider the type of basketball Houston plays with that small ball. I mean, those two guys have to be incredibly effective. Yes, they're going to have to dominate, um, especially Stephen Adams. If he's going to be on the floor, he's has, he's going to have to be a presence where whether scoring in the paint, getting easy touches, or just getting offensive rebounds, continue to get Oklahoma City possessions, pound Houston, playing that other undersized lineup. If he can't do that, he, he can't really be on the floor. I, now, you may see some extended minutes only because, Kobe, they may, we try, may see what they want to do and how they're going to play guys with that small lineup. And they, we may see some of that or a little more just guys playing with each other because we know they're going to have to play without Steven Adams on the floor some of the time. So I, I think we'll see some extended minutes of that, maybe with Steven Adams off the floor, just because they know if they get behind or thumb, they may have to play smaller and get in foul trouble. But I, I think the most important thing is probably I see early in the game against uh, the Clippers that they try to establish Steven Adams because – I think they'll get a go heavy dose of him early in that series just to try to make Houston pay if they're going to play small and take a chance that they can defend that three-point line. I mean, shit, the way Mike Muscala is stroking the ball right now, M- Mike Muscala may be the go-to guy in that series. Well, well he's a guy you can play at the <laughs> yeah. five because yeah. he's a guy you can switch. You just don't want to get to where Steven Adams has to cover James Harden and Russ a lot because now they're going to attack the rim and there's not a lot behind him. And that's going to be the key in the series. If Oklahoma City can keep a big, if they can play either Noel or Stephen Adams, they can at least try to defend that rim at some. But it, the key is going to be trying to keep the ball in front of you with Hart and Russ. That that's going to be the key. You can contain those guys and and not let those guys get easy two point at the rim. You know you're going to give up some three but you can't let those guys get easy twos and a lot of free throws and putting them at the line because now you're just playing Houston's game and now you're just making it a, a lot of possessions for those guys. And I think Oklahoma City want to slow this one down just a little bit at pace just so they can try to use that size advantage they'll have in so many positions. Confidence level in, in the, the group of guys that comes off the bench. Obviously, we already mentioned Baisley. You can talk about him some more if you want to. I think he's incredibly important in, in that Houston series in terms of, once again, his side and athleticism and what he brings. But his confidence is just, I mean, skyrocketing uh, through the roof right now. I mean, every single game, he just looks more and more comfortable with the role he's being asked to play and, and you know, continues to, I think, get better 
every single game. But, you know, even the guys like Diallo, um, I, I think, have played pretty well throughout this bubble period. And, and we'll see what it, that looks like in terms of rotation minutes in the postseason. But I think for the most part, throughout these seven games that have been played, overall, I, I the bench isn't something that I'm just, just overly concerned about, I guess. I, I think they've, they've done okay. And the thing is, you you can say your bench. Well, Houston, they only play six or yeah. seven guys, so you don't have to go as deep. And if you want to extend your bench, you can't just because you want to try to wear those guys down. Um, they're um, I think it. I think they're going to be okay in the series, though. I, I want to say. I think Houston probably wins the series, but I think it's going to be a long series. I think experience will help. But if Oklahoma City with those younger lineups, if, if guys, the one thing I'll say, I think they all play extremely confident. I mean, maybe a little too confident. I thought Billy <laughs> really letting those young guys, I mean, there's a lot of one-pass possessions. And I don't know if you necessarily want to do that against Houston because you're igniting rush to play right downhill. So I, I think that he'll be showing some patience even though you want guys to be confident, you don't want to get three-point happy and play that game versus Houston and just not use those mismatches. And I think sometimes you think trick teams into doing that, and Oklahoma City having a young team, Chris Paul, I'm sure, and Billy Donovan, you'll make sure you let those guys know we might not want to take that first three or maybe we should attack the basket because there's just no defense at the rim for those guys. And one thing about all Oklahoma City's guys on the perimeter or every position other than Chris Paul are extremely athletic so they can play over the rim and give Houston a lot of problems. So, I, failure on my part to even mention this until this point, but Lou Dort gets hurt early in this game. Uh, he's going to have an MRI. I guess Billy Donovan said after the game he doesn't know the extent of the injury, which is expected. Um, that's never necessarily a good thing to hear uh, because most of the time when it's nothing serious, they immediately say it's nothing serious. And, and generally when it's serious, they say, we don't know anything. We don't have any information. Uh, just to look behind the curtain, by the way. It, a lot, not to say that that's 100% of the time, but more times than not, if they say it's it, they don't really have any information, that means that there's a little bit of worry there. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. But that's another guy that I think is huge in terms of the matchup against Houston and just the versatility in who he can defend in that series. It's great that Andre Robertson is coming back, and it's great that we're seeing him play the way he's playing. But Lou Dort is extremely valuable in this series. If, if you know, the Thunder are hoping to, to take down the Houston Rockets, he's going to play a big role in that. Yeah, you would think so. And and I'm like, like you, I'm kind of nervous about it because when he went down, you know, Crowder, he got up and he was limping. Lou Dort, he never moved. He stayed right there until they came and got him and, and had to take him off the floor. So you knew there there that was different. Although you saw the them bang knees, I almost couldn't tell if he was already had hurt it and was going to the ground and hit Crowder. Or what? But it's definitely a little more serious, and I may, I'm concerned a little bit about it just by his reaction to it, not trying to put any pressure on that. Anytime a guy is leaving the floor, they don't want to put pressure on it. That's the cause for concern. But um, it, it, for Oklahoma City, I think he's he would be huge because just defensively where he can just take the, the physicality of James or maybe even a rush, he has to switch over with him sometimes. 
but he's also a guy that can space the floor and be a mismatch because of his size and could give Houston some trouble. So I, I think it's huge, and hopefully he'll be healthy. But uh, I'm a little worried about that. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think the thing with him is he's going to bring that that certain level of defense on one end, but it's not like he's just a complete liability on the other end. I mean, there's at least the the realistic expectation that you know if if his number is called offensively. He's he's going to do okay with those opportunities. It's not just going to be a complete disaster time and time again. Yeah, and I think over the course of the season, we just all gain confidence in in those. I mean, I, I'm not worried with the way because of Houston and that opponent offensively. Those guys will be able to get anything they want, so they don't have to. It's not as much pressure because Houston is not as good defensively. So it's just about being confident in those guys knocking down shots, and, and they'll get. They'll get their opportunities. It's about making them. Robertson played 11 minutes tonight, Joe. If if Lou Dort is not able to go against Houston, is Andre Robertson, in your mind, ready to take on 30 minutes against a James Harden? Um, I mean, I, I think you go to him and you play him a little more. Um, I just think his experience in the playoffs uh, with, with the officiating, you know, those young guys, Diallo – maybe without Jordan, you have to go more Diallo on one of those guys. I mean, they just know how to draw fouls. And Andre's reputation will help help him be able to defend because he may be able to do a little more just the respect he'll get. But um, it, it, without a door, he definitely becomes more valuable and more important. I thought he would play a role anyway because of his experience. But now I think now he'll have to play an extended role if you don't have Jordan. And I don't know if that's the best thing, but it's probably the safest thing because you don't also want those guys to lose any confidence. And I think you can always go to Diallo with his energy. I don't think it bothers him because you can go to the young guy more, but you can try to depend on that veteran to give him that first opportunity. Yeah. Well, it's Thunder Rockets in the first round of the postseason. That is locked in place after the Thunder's 116-115 win tonight over the Miami Heat. Again, I don't think this is necessarily the best matchup for OKC in terms of of what could have been over the last week. We talked in, in previous shows about the Denver matchup, about the Utah matchup, and about the Houston matchup. And this is probably, I think, in terms of favorable to OKC, the third of that group, but from a from just a a spectator standpoint, from just a fan of the game, I, I don't know who wouldn't be interested in or or just completely geeked out about watching Chris Paul against the Rockets and James Harden and Russell Westbrook going against the Thunder and like again, I don't have to tell you the storylines like they ev- they resonate with everybody. This is going to be a ton of fun, and I think Thunder fans are going to be on the edge of their seat every single game. No doubt, I, I think the basketball world. Is just to be entertained in this first round like no other. You're going to possibly have Portland versus the Lakers. <laughs> yes. Houston and Wester Westbrook versus Chris Paul in the Oklahoma City Thunder. The, uh, I mean, what as the NBA, I mean, that within itself, when people hear Wester Westbrook in the playoffs going against Oklahoma City, that makes you watch instantly. More people are going to see that. Just see because we know emotional and what drives on Russ and what makes him and the energy that he plays with and sometimes the emotion. I mean, it, it's going to be must-watch TV. And, and I, I mean, we're going to buckle up, and I think it's just going to be exciting. All the pressure's on Houston in this, right? I mean, no doubt. the basketball-watching world is going to expect Houston to win this series. No doubt. And, and Houston should win the series. But as I'm saying, Chris Paul, yeah. 
a veteran like that playing with house money, he's very dangerous because he can, if he can dominate this series and, and just be able to handle the ball and and be able to just nitpick and dissect that defense and get what he wants, Oklahoma City will be right there at the end of games and be able to try to make plays. And there hasn't been many guys better than Chris Paul in the fourth quarter in crunch time. By the way, just uh, just to kind of talk a little NBA before we wrap this thing up, um, bubble MVP. Do you go Damian Lillard or do you, do you go Devin Booker? Before the last two <laughs> nights, I would have said Devin Booker. Yeah. Damian Lillard. <laughs> Damian Lillard, man. Answer, hey, you want to talk about a beast, man. Hey, put some respect on his name, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that's all I can say. Dame, that, but Dame has always been like that. I mean, He's a good guy, I believe, but he definitely has a swag about himself and a confidence where he believes he's the best PG in the league. So to miss the other night and, and kind of probably hurt his team as far as winning that game and for the guys to do what they wanted to come back with 55 and then answer again with 60. I heard that Paul <laughs> George was reaching out trying to squash the beat. When you get <laughs> yeah. points in two games, Kobe, they don't want beef anymore, bro. <laughs> yeah, don't talk anymore. Don't talk anymore. Yeah, it's like, hey, man, I come in peace, man. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, yeah. man, he is, dude, he is just on a tear right now. And if you're the Lakers, I mean, you don't want any part of that. Not, not at all. Not only do you not want a part of it because of Lillard, but it's just what Portland brings. Now, they're going to probably be without McCullum. Now, he has a fracture in his back, so I don't know how effective he will be. I mean, that's a 20-plus point guy, so they're going to hurt. They're going to – that's going to hurt them. But when you have a big like they have, they can play big so they can contest at the rim, but they can score in space. And the Lakers, I mean, Avery Bradley's their best defender. And he's not gonna and he's not gonna be there. I mean, they're gonna have to find a way to contain Damian Lillard. And because of some of the, the matchups, you can't just double Dame all the time and leave those three point shooters because they've they've created that team with a nice night with Nurkic on the inside, although handling the ball and everything, but they've surrounded it with a lot of three point shooting. So it'll it'll be key to see if they can defend the Lakers. Not not Anthony Davis. I think they'll he's gonna do his thing, but Nurkis, you can match up a little bit with him, but it's gonna be can they contain LeBron James and keep him from just getting in the lane at will. If they can do that and show presence and force those guys, those other guys to take three point shots and beat them, Portland could upset the Lakers in the first round. Yeah. Look, Melo Melo play Crazy as it may sound, Melo plays a big role in that series. And I, Gary Trent Jr., I think, plays a, a big role in that series. And, and that's the thing. They're going to get opportunities because the Lakers, if Dame gets hot, you know you have to say, we can't let you beat them. We're just going to take the chance of other guys. So they're going to leave a young guy in Gary Trent Jr. who the first four games, he shot the ball extremely well. Then he struggled the past two. He didn't shot it as well. But Melo has been – phenomenal the entire time in the bubble and he's a guy with playoff experience so he's a guy very comfortable in the situation so I, I like what Portland is and I like Melo um, and what he can do so the scoring will be there but I, I'm 
defensively, if, if, if Portland can just keep the Lakers out the lane consistently and not give up those easy baskets, then we're going to have a hell of a series. Yeah, I was I was after all the beef, I was kind of hoping we were somehow going to land with a Clippers Blazers first round That's matchup. They were but they're talking, they're like, "Oh yeah, you can beat the Lakers for us. That doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that. Yeah, it's no harm for us. Okay, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt." Man, it, this I I told you at the beginning of all this, I I kind of felt like, you know, this whole situation with all these guys being in the same place, and and you take away all of the outside distractions, you take away, you know, the the NBA lifestyle of you know flying into a city, checking into a hotel, playing a game, checking out, flying to another city. Like when you take all of that out of the equation, and everybody's like in the same place, you're playing in this this gym where there's you know zero fans. And everybody's also having to see everybody. So the guys you lose to on a Tuesday night, it's not like you just don't see their faces for, for three weeks. I mean, you're having to see them every single day. Like, I, I just felt like all of these circumstances were going to lead to the most competitive type atmosphere you could possibly get. And I think it was also going to just lead to teams playing better basketball because there's nothing else to do and there's no other distractions. And Joe, we're, the Thunder have played seven of their eight games already. It's kind of flown by in a hurry, but... I feel like as this thing is wrapping up and we're getting ready for the postseason, the basketball has been outstanding. And I, I'm I'm pretty excited about what the playoffs are going to be. I, I kind of feel like we're going to have next-level basketball. Yeah, I'm like you. I totally agree. And, and I remember in the first show we talked about it, just the level of basketball. I mean, when you talk about no travel, that's huge. No partying. Like, for an NBA player, we hear that all the time. Everything that normally – would make those guys physically tired. They don't have those distractions. So I think that's why you've seen guys that are maybe second or third tier players. We're like, man, he's really good. Like, what? Yeah, like, man, because, I mean, guys are just extremely focused and, and they're locked in. Um, it, it, I think we're going to – it's going to be a great band of basketball in the playoffs. I, I, I think the NBA, they, they've done a great job of, of facilitating and bubble being under control and guys are doing the things they're supposed to do i mean of course they've had a few few things go awry but for the most part it's been it's been good um i i can't wait um the matchups are i seem like uh that we have some great first round matchups so there's no complaints the best basketball so let's get it on yeah uh by the way we're going to be at chalk on friday night oklahoma city versus the clippers for uh, the final regular season matchup before the postseason begins. We'll be there for that game. We'll have reaction immediately after. It's going to be a ton of fun. So if you're looking for a place to watch the last matchup, it's a Friday night. Why not? Check out Chalk. Uh, We're going to be there, and it's going to be awesome. I I can't wait. Yes, sir. We'll be at Chalk Live, baby. I finally get to see you, man. Live. I know it. I know it. We'll have to – I guess we'll have to social distance, or or I don't know how the whole setup will be, but – uh, yeah, we'll be in person at least. It'll be good. There we go. That's It'll all be good. that matters, right? That's yep. all it. All right, that is it for this edition of the OKC Basketball Team. Live stream, the Thunder are in the postseason. It is the Houston Rockets in the first round as OKC defeats the Miami Heat tonight, 116-115, the final final regular season matchup in the bubble on Friday night against the Clippers. That is a 5.30 tip. Once again, Joe Adkins and myself will be at chalk for that matchup, and we'll have a, a reaction. And maybe we'll come on a little early and talk down the stretch of the regular season, but uh, we'll just kind of see how all that plays out. But I'm excited for the final game, this bubble uh I think experiment has been outstanding and I'm, I'm ready for more. So Joe, always appreciate it, my friend. And we'll see you Friday. All right now. See you Friday.
The podcast is over.